Team Athletics Podcast. I got my guy Tevin in here. I'm your host, Kyle Cognitori, and we have the pleasure of having WNBA All-Rookie Team, two-time Natty Champ, Big East Rookie of the Year, McDonald's All-American, New York Miss Basketball, seventh overall pick, three-time gold medalist, two-time Gatorade Player of the Year, Bria Hartley with us today. How's it going, Bria? What's up? How y'all doing? Pretty good. How are you? How's the pandemic going? I'm good. I mean, trying to stay active, trying to keep myself occupied. Just think sometimes I'm in the house losing my mind. I need to get out and do something. (laughs) (laughs) You can only do so much, so much uh, yoga at the house. Yeah. (laughs) So I try to get my yoga in every day with my friends. Uh, I don't know what the status of our season is. So I try to make sure I'm not getting out of shape too much, trying to just lift maybe dribble a basketball, shoot a basketball here and there. So, doing whatever I can. So, you're right not, not pulling C.J. McCollum where he hasn't shot a basketball in over a month, something like that he was talking about? Well, I pro- it probably was about a month for me until the other day. <laughs> so, I didn't really have access to a gym, and I kind of hate shooting outside. So, trying to just figure out what I can do, what I can find to do, especially here in Minneapolis. It's not my hometown, so I don't really know people here like that. <laughs> Well, I read back in the day that you credit most of your b-ball skills from your brothers and you in the driveway, so you don't like going back to your roots or what? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just not much there uh, when I go back home. It's like one of my friends is there, so I get bored pretty easily. So uh, I'm not too tied down to going back home. All my friends are all over, so just I'm used to being on the go, being in different countries, different states, so just don't get too tied down in one spot. <laughs> Jordan's texting me right now asking why I didn't give him an intro like that. Because he ain't got the accolades. He don't have as many accolades. <laughs> Rub his nose. Like, we, we, we went over his assist-to-turnover ratio. And, you know, that's, that's his assist-to-turnover ratio is definitely better than mine. I'll give him that. <laughs> I'm a high-risk, high-reward type player. <laughs> well, you played, played varsity 8th grade through 12th grade. And you were, I mean, amazing career. I don't even know if you want to get into that, but I never met somebody who was a two-time Gatorade player of the year. You know? Yeah, so, like, in our town, it's just, like, whatever town you live in, that's where you go to school. So they let kids, like, come up from middle school as long as they're, like, physically, like, good enough. So, fortunately, I was able to do that. And then uh, just kind of develop through the years. I was kind of like a gym rat when I was in high school. So, like, all the time I was just in the gym, in the gym. And I know my ju- my junior year, the class ahead of me, like that 09 class coming out of high school, was like super talented. But I would just, like I said, I was just in the gym all the time. So when I got uh, uh, Gatorade Player of the Year for that, people were mad for sure because I was running <laughs> over all the girls in their senior year or whatever. Then the next year, all that talent kind of left. It was kind of really, I was kind of all the talk on Long Island in, in New York that year. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine any of them having a crazier stat line than you, though. I mean, 30 points, 8.3 rebounds, 7.4, <laughs> six steals, five blocks. I think it was just kind of – I had, like, a big jump from my sophomore year to junior year. So it was just like my sophomore year, I think my stats were a little bit lower, and then all those girls were kind of going into senior year. 
gonna really everyone expecting them to really show out and then my stats just kind of jumped like crazy so I think that's what really helped me and then playing on the playing AAU in the circuit playing against like top competition and some of the best players in the world I think that helped prepare me because I changed AAU teams that year so that was my first summer playing like the top competition around the country who were some of the people you remember from AAU that you were playing man uh Tennessee flight was good. They had Stephanie Dolson, who actually ended up going to UConn with me. Kalina Muscat-Lewis, too, went to UConn with me. Um, Ronika Rancher was from D.C. She was really good. Played for them. Um, played Boo Williams uh, out of D.C. They were nice. They had Sugar Rogers, uh, Tierra Ruffin Pratt. So just like playing those top AU teams that are known to be good and been good for years, I think just helped me. When did, when did Gino start calling you? Uh, so I always feel like I, I was like recruited kind of late. So I played like soccer and lacrosse and I really like, I got recruited for lacrosse too. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to do with college yet. So I kind of was still like talking to lacrosse tools, talking to basketball. And then I think my junior year, UConn saw me play, um, like February, my junior year, I think they were actually going to see someone else. And I think my team was playing the same tournament. And I think that Shay Ralph was the assistant coach. She saw me. And then ever since then, UConn was just kind of on my radar that whole summer. They were kind of like watching. And that's when Coach Irvin started coming to my games a lot more. And I think I actually went on an unofficial visit probably that June. And so I would say it was later because I committed as a senior. And I feel like most kids now commit like way earlier. <laughs> when, when you uh, had Gino calling you, and, and I mean, UConn in general, did you just shut everybody off? I mean, that's, nah. that's, that's the Duke to me of girls basketball. Like, I wouldn't even listen to anybody else. So the thing about me is, like, so one of my first big offers was actually Duke. And then, like, Duke and UNC were, like, two of my favorite schools growing up. Like, Danny Green's from my hometown. I was a big fan, so I followed him. That's actually why I wear number 14. But I was – and my uncle lived in North Carolina, so I was going down to, like, North Carolina every summer. So I was really kind of – set on them. So then when UConn came in, I was super excited about it. I loved when I went there. But I think I still kind of, like, took my time. I think I also had um, the idea, like, can I play there? I wasn't necessarily sure. Um, so I kind of just, like, weighed my options out a little bit and still took my time through the process. I'm kind of an undecisive person, so that's probably why, too. <laughs> so <laughs> you gotta be so I committed so late. <laughs> Well, thinking about what you actually accomplished though, at UConn, when you get into that, it's it's absurd. From you going into it thinking, can I even play there, to then not only playing, you had that uh, a teammate of yours had that ACL inj in injury, which mm -hmm. is crazy because freshmen never play for Gene. Yeah. I, mean, I think ultimately that's what helped me with my decision was just kind of like looking at the situation there, like they needed like a guard to come in and, and play and have a significant role. And then – especially when she uh when she got hurt and tore ACL so that it was like it's a great opportunity it's the best basketball school they just won back-to-back -back national championships so it just kind of made sense and um obviously I thought it was a great decision <laughs> on my part <laughs> and you got you have the record for most minutes ever by a freshman at UConn yeah <laughs> so yeah the one thing about me especially when I was I'm not the same anymore I think I'm getting older but I never got tired and I think you love that about me like I just had this motor where I can always keep going and I mean I don't I think that year we probably only had a rotation of like six players we didn't really go too deep in our bench so he kind of really had to play all of us but 
it was one of those things where he was like really tough on me really early had to like kind of fight through a lot of growing pains because you know you still make those freshman mistakes but at least i was able to play through my mistakes rather than get pulled out of the game we ended up becoming Big East freshman of the year Big East all tournament team i mean you, <laughs> you destroyed 14 points 3.7 assists 1.8 steals known known for always going off against top teams top teams yeah much like that yeah, a lot of times they call me, like, Big Shot Bria. And one thing Coach RM always says, he'll be like, he had, like, Bria the student on the team. He had Kalina Lewis. She was, like, one of the best three-point shooters. He's like, when the game's on the line, people ask him, who does he want taking the shot? And he will always say me. Just because even sometimes, like, I can miss every shot, and then I'll make that big shot. So I always love the good moments. Um, I think I take pride in that still. Like, when the uh, game's on the line, end of the shot clock, anything like that, I want the ball in my hands. So. I think I was just really confident in those moments, and I think that's what helped me throughout my career is kind of maintaining my confidence for the most part. When you were a freshman and you had that game against Baylor and Notre Dame, <laughs> what the hell is going through your mind? Right? <laughs> well, the Baylor game, I was pretty much trashed the whole game. Like, I had one 25 point. 25 points. Oh, that game. Okay. There was 25. One oh, that one year. No, I went off. <laughs> <laughs> they, we played them early in the year, though, and it was like I had one point, and then in the last two minutes, I hit, like, two big threes and had a rebound put back. I only had nine points that game, but we ended up beating them. And then the 25-point game, I was, going, off, the top I was going off that year for the most part against big teams. I think it's just when I get into a rhythm, like, I'm really good and I'm playing aggressive. So that those that games, and even the Notre Dame game, I think end of the game, I didn't even realize I had that many points. I was just like looked up and I was like, I really scored that many. <laughs> so I just kind of surprised myself and was just out there playing, trying to win. Jeez, yeah, that, I I keep going through everything, and you, you killed it your freshman year, your sophomore year, um, your senior year was amazing. Before we get into your senior year, I kind of mm -hmm. want to talk about the first time you ever kind of struggled, and a lot of that had to do with an <laughs> injury. What was that like, you know, the, probably the first time really not things not going your way? Yeah, so so that, that summer I played um, the three-on-three -three world championships, and it was actually the semifinal game. I hurt my ankle, played in the championship. I, get, I think I'm the type, sometimes my problem is I, like, play through everything. So it was like I was in, play, like, pain a little bit, but I just kind of kept pushing through it, and I didn't really think. I thought, like, oh, it's just an ankle sprain, like, it's going to be sore or whatever. And then went through all the preseason at UConn or whatever. And then when I got, I finally kept telling her, like, this is not getting better. So then when they checked out my ankle, I think I had, like, partially torn a ligament in my ankle. So then I was out for, like, a month. And I just feel like kind of coming back, I feel like when you're not practicing the team, I think I missed two games, the first two games that season. I feel like the team gets used to playing without you. So I think when I kind of got back into the lineup, it was like um, – it's just like a different rhythm and it's just like, wasn't um, what I'm used to. And then, you know, players, they kind of develop their game and they're not looking for me as much. So it just seemed like I was really uncomfortable and kind of struggled to kind of find my way throughout the season. I think until to the end of the season, I think I kind of play a lot better. I think there's moments like I didn't play terrible, but I was just like more inconsistent. I wasn't as consistent as you saw me the past two years. Um, but I mean, in the end, in the big moments, like, I played well, and then we went on to win a national championship that year. So that was the next it kind of made all the struggle, like, really worth it. And then to come back into my senior season, I just – my senior season, I don't know, I was just in a rhythm. Like, 
I don't even think Coach Arm even yelled at me that much that year. Like he couldn't really say nothing that we had an understanding. We were on the same page with everything. I think when you're like like when you're on a kind of great wavelength with the coach like that, I think everything flows really easily. Well, I want to I want to back it up just a little bit when you were talking about your junior year. Then when you got to the tournament, you found it. You figured it all out because that's when you started killing it. You whooped on Notre Dame. Like you said, you got the natty champ. And then you were all tournament team again. So, I mean, after after the season, then to close it out like that, you got to be like, hey. Yeah, I mean, you kind of just chuck it up. I'm just like, dang. It wasn't like the season wasn't what I expected. But in the end, like I still got what I wanted. So, can't really complain too much. <laughs> then you're, this, your senior year, again, amazing. You were the candidate for the Nancy Lieberman award which is the nation's top point guard i mean that that's insane in itself second on the team in scoring 4.3 assists a game i mean you you hit 20 points 12 games that year yeah yeah i was just really like i'll say i became more of a consistent shooter too so i think that really helped me that year like i really got in the gym like worked on my shot because i feel like coming into college i was a good three-point shooter but i like became like a really good one that year um and then I think, too, like, the way our team was set up, we really had, like, I think at some point that starting five all ended up being All-Americans. Like, our team was so good. So, <laughs> funny thing about that is when I when we won as a junior, Coach R.M. was like, you know, when you come to UConn, if you win one, yeah, that's cool. But, like, to really mean something, you have to go undefeated and win. So, I think, like, our senior year we went out there and we was like, we're going to go undefeated. And that's what you we did. You did. So, <laughs> yeah, 40 we kind of cruise through that year until you get to the final four, really. Do you feel like you got to enjoy it, like soak up the moment? For sure. I mean, anyone who asks me, I love my college experience. Like, when I first got to league, I'm like, man, I miss college so much. Like, and, and everything like that, like on and off the court, I enjoyed my, my college experience. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is, too, your senior year, you were inducted into the Husky Ring of Honor. Yeah. What was that moment? I, that's like... I think that's really special. I think you come into UConn, you see all the names up there on the wall, and I was just like, you know, I want to be up there one day. So I just kept pushing. And, I mean, technically, once you're an All-American, you're able to get it. So since I was All-American as a sophomore, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm up there. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just got to keep it going. But, like, once you get up there, like, it's pretty cool. And you go back now and you see it in there. And then even, like, uh, they got a new practice facility, but they got all the players hanging up in there now. So it was pretty cool. Do you – I mean, when you look back at it and you think 144 games, 11 losses, do you remember even the 11 losses? Definitely. At UConn, you remember all those losses because you, you lose that <laughs> UConn, it's end of the world, you know? So, And I think a lot of them are Notre Dame. So, like, when I was there, we had that big Notre Dame rivalry. So With Skylar Diggins, Eddie, right? Yeah, Eddie lost to Notre Dame. I definitely remember. It was, it was normally probably Notre Dame, um, Baylor a couple times. They were pretty good. Yeah. They had Griner and Odyssey. Stanford, I remember my freshman year, they broke our streak. And then one was St. John's, man. And we lost to St. John's on senior night. That was probably one of the worst ones. And I will always remember that one. It wasn't my senior night, but like I think it was my sophomore year. That was a bad one, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, four Final Four appearances and two back-to-back championships, that's, that's absurd. That's yeah, absurd. I mean, 
I don't even know how many straight Final Fours it's been for UConn now. Like, it's pretty much you go to UConn, you're going to a Final Four. It's just up to you whether you <laughs> you go there to win it or not. But, yeah, that's just the, that's just the type of program that Coach RM has built throughout two years, and that's the expectation. So we make sure we reach it there every year. You know, you and Maya Moore are the only players to have 15,000 points, 500 rebounds, 500 assists, and 200 steals. Does that blow your mind too? To, to like I, I, every time I read everything about you, I'm just like, damn, damn. <laughs> damn. Now, I remember them saying that that stat when I was there. I think that is pretty crazy. Although I'm like Maya had like a thousand more points than me, but <laughs> it, it's still. I think it just speaks to like what you could do as a player all around, how you can affect the game. I think there are times like even Coach Aaron would be like, even if you're not scoring, there's other w- things you could do to affect the game. And I think that's why you see like why I was able to play so much and play so many minutes because, like, even if I'm having an off night and I'm not scoring, like, I'm able to do other things to create for others, uh, get steals, create offense, and just kind of always out there trying to make a play for my teammates or for myself. You know, I, I got a question, too, um, about college. What's the inside look of the UConn women's basketball program? Like, what, what are the practices like? What, what you know got you guys doing? Is it is it crazier than being in the WNBA? Is it crazier than your overseas stuff? Well, yeah, well, WNBA and overseas, like, they know we, most of us play year-round, so they're a little more, like, they're not as intense or crazy, I think, when you're in college. Uh, you're still an amateur. You're still working to really get to that next level. And, uh, yeah, I think our practices are crazy. I mean, three hours long <laughs> when you're in college, when you're in college uh very high intensity, I think. I don't know if I could go through a whole practice like that right now. <laughs> like, I'll probably die. <laughs> but um, then it's like, so we would always have to, our rule was like, you have to be on the court a half an hour before practice. Then, like, our assistant coach, she was kind of like our guard coach. She was like, all right, guards got to be on the court half an hour before that. So say we have practice one thirty, Everyone got to be on there at 1, ready to go, kind of warming up. If, if you're a guard, be there at 12.30. So we're on there at 12.30 doing guard drills. Then everyone else comes out. We're still kind of still doing guard drills or shooting around. Yep. And then we actually start practice at 1.30. We'll, sometimes we'll go into film and come back out, or sometimes we'll just start to stretch from there. And they're full three-hour practices, sometimes even longer, because if we're messing up, we're just going to keep going and keep going. So, And then on certain days after that, you got lifts. So you're in that gym forever, <laughs> high-intensity. I remember they used to make us wear, like, the heart rate monitors and stuff and track, like, how many steps we're taking. I think I was running, like, six, seven miles every practice. It'd be crazy. (laughs) What was the adjustment like from high school to that? So, I think for me, it was, like, I think it's just another level that you don't understand. So, when I first got there, he's like, you're not working hard. Like, you're not going hard enough. And like I said, I was a gym rat. So I'm like, what do you mean I'm not working hard? I always work harder than every, everyone else. Like, I'm out here going as hard as I can. I'm dying. Like, what do you mean I'm not working hard? So I think it was just kind of understanding that you got to continue to push yourself to the next level. And then just kind of the, the pace of the game. And everyone's, like, bigger and stronger. So in high school, I was, like, pretty skinny. I think I went into my senior year. I was probably, like, 125. I started lifting, like, the end of my senior year just to, like, put on a little bit of muscle. But I had to, like, really work on like getting in the weight room and then just kind of adapting to the, the speed of the game. I was, I was fast, like pretty fast, but I also needed to understand like I can't get too fast and out of control. Okay. 
So then when you went to the pros, or Tevin, do you want to ask or something? Yeah, I got I got a couple I got a couple questions while you're Hitter. Hitter was, uh Gino is has a coach that has done immense work and helped progress the the women's basketball game and kind of take it to the new heights. I mean, there's people like myself where I've never watched uh, women's call or collegiate basketball game except for UConn when you guys are on these incredible runs right. that draws people in was there a weird dynamic of obviously him trying to champion and draw more attention to the sport and so he would have to kind of defend smaller schools but him coming from a spot of being the top dog where it's like what are you complaining about we're already here paying attention to your game was there any kind of weird dynamic of that on campus or any resentment maybe from other schools where you guys are getting all this attention and it's not getting spread around to the rest of the the sport oh for sure like um i know everyone would be like oh we're so tired of uconn winning like a lot yep. of people would say that like uh i know an instance where i think i was a freshman at the time and then one of the younger girls um she was coming to uconn and they they uh in the past they said the wbca all americans and they come to the final four and uh she was there and i guess like we had lost what was this this is my freshman year we had lost and like all the other girls that, like, weren't going to UConn were, like, all, like, super, super happy because UConn lost. And it's, like, one of those things uh, where anytime people see see UConn loses, it's more about UConn losing rather than the other team winning. Right. Because, <laughs> like, UConn has just built that tradition and went throughout the years. It was, like, people – it was to the point, like, people get so mad at UConn winning. And I used to be, like, why are you mad? I was, like, we're going to keep winning. We're going to keep <laughs> it going. Uh, I think you see that, too. I went to the Final Four in – 2017 uh as an alum and they lost and they had like the like that crazy streak or whatever i think it was when mississippi state beat them at the buzzer and the same thing on espn everything it's all about uconn losing and it's like dang no one's even talking about the fact that mississippi state won it's just oh uconn loses but we say like we've earned that right because we've been so dominant for so long and we continue to be dominant so um it's crazy i do think some people hate it but I don't know. I, I think it's good for the game. Like, this is the standard of basketball that we're going to play at. So all the other um, all the other universities need to work to that. It's like people are like, oh, UConn can't be so good. Like, no, we're going to continue to strive to be really good every year, and other teams should be able to do that. And I think you you see that now, though. You kind of see UConn. For UConn, they haven't won in a few years. So you see other teams are really, like, stepping up uh, their level of play, and it's really uh, more competitive. Yeah. And were you kind of aware of that going through, like, from your freshman year throughout your senior year of the kind of the history that you were making? Or was it more like after you were done, it was like, oh, wow, we really did, you know, contribute to this amazing run? I think you knew about it, but I think uh, Coach Arman and their staff, like, because, you know, there's so much media attention when you're there. Um, but Coach Arman and their staff always tell us, like, take it one game at a time. Like, don't look too far ahead. So I think mm -hmm. that's kind of like our mindset. Like, anytime <laughs> – say a reporter comes in there asking us like, oh, you got this streak. Like, what if you do this or break this record? And we're just kind of like, we got one game next week. That's what we're focused on. We're not looking too far yeah. past that. I think that's the best way to do it. Cause then like, you know, I feel like when you start looking too far in the future, you get distracted or you think too much, you got to live in the moment and concentrate on that moment. Yeah. And cause you were on campus as well with like when Kemba Walker was at UConn, correct? So yeah. He was a senior and I was a freshman. So okay. I was there. When they so won. Who was a bigger deal on campus? Was it the men's basketball team or was it the women's basketball team? Who got more? Uh, I don't know. I think, I mean, we know basketball was over football, definitely, but 
I mean, because I feel like I was there for two years when the men won. So I feel like we're pretty equal, honestly. Equal? Like that it, freshman it, year, it, like they definitely like the men's team. But I mean, we had more hype coming into my freshman year. I feel like it changed year to year, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> were there were there any open gym battles between you and the men's team at all? Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the guys would come play pickup with us. Not all of them. Like, Baz used to play with us all the time. Um, Jeremy Lamb would come in there. Like, especially the guys my age. Kemba, I don't think he ever really played with us too much. Uh, and then some of, like, the guys walk on to yeah. stuff would play with us. Was there anybody like Jeremy Lamb or anybody like that that you gave buckets to that you want to give a shout-out real quick? Oh, <laughs> uh, I definitely gave buckets to Baz. You know, he's closer to my height, so I'll go against him. Jeremy, like, he would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> we play, we play and shoot around, but we ain't really like play one on one like that. <laughs> you got some more, Tev? Uh, no, I'm I'm good on the UConn question. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, let's bring it into the WNBA then. So you go seventh overall. What's your draft experience like? What were you doing? So my draft experience, I, it was dope. Uh, it was at Mohegan Sun, so I feel like I had family all pretty close and. I guess that they moved it from, I forgot where it was before that, but it was a bigger venue. So we were able to have like more people at our table. So I had like my best friend, my dad, my mom, my brother, like all over there. So that was, that was really cool, really special. Then Coach RM was there, Steph and her family's table is right next to us. So it was cool, like just kind of to see Steph grow. Cause I've known Steph since, since high school. So it was cool for us to kind of go through that together and we just like watch each other grow. So that moment was really special, but when they called me, I was drafted number seven, and I was, I'm the biggest, like, Sue Bird fan, or, I mean, we cool now, but I, like, was in college and everything, so um, they're saying I was going to Seattle, and I go to hug Coach R.M., and I was like, Coach, I'm going to play with Sue, and he kind of whispered in my ears, like, they're going to trade. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> he was like, they're going to make a trade or whatever, and he mentioned uh, me going to Washington, and Steph was drafted six to Washington right before me. But then I go up to the stage, take the pictures, and then Holly Rowe comes, does the interview. So I'm sitting there. I'm just like, yeah, I'm so excited to play in Seattle after he just told me about the trade to D.C. So then we go. They have you go through, like, the little media roulette afterwards. And I, like, passed Steph. And I was like, Steph, guess what, or whatever. But then they're, like, rushing me to the next interview, and she had to go. So she always says, like, she got a call from uh, Coach Tebow with the Mystics. And he was just like, oh, did you hear about the news? And she's like, what? What news? And he's like, oh, we're getting Bria, too. Like, she's coming, what you do? She was like, no way. <laughs> so I think we are both, like, super excited. And I think that's, I don't know if that's ever happened. Like, we're two, like, seniors from the same class go to the same WNBA team. So that experience is really cool. I was happy to be closer to home, too, in D.C., rather than go all the way out to Seattle. But it, it was a pretty dope experience. I think I was just, like, geeked the whole time, just super excited. <laughs> Yeah, it's got to make it a lot easier when your teammates there with you. The new experience. Right, <laughs> it's like at least I had someone I was familiar with, someone to lean on. Like when things get hard or difficult, like someone I'm familiar with. So I think that definitely made it a lot easier. And staying on the East Coast, right? So you could pond hop real quick back to NY. Yeah, just a four-hour drive or you can hop on a train or whatever. I don't even think I went back like that, but it's still I had the option of going back if I wanted to. <laughs> so – Another question that was just sent in, so I'm going to segue slightly. <laughs> Have you ever beat a Wisconsin Badger one-on-one before? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, a Wisconsin Badger. Do I need to know any other <laughs> Wisconsin Badgers? <laughs> <laughs> my, 
my friend Michaela Johnson transferred to Wisconsin. I might have beat her one on one. <laughs> no, I ain't beat one. They beat me. Well, all right, I'll, I'll refresh. You got a couple rings to make up for it. Who wants to know what the score was against a Jordan Taylor encounter? <laughs> is what we want to know. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it was 7 0. He pretty much just bodied me all the way to the basket every time. Gary Payton did? <laughs> yeah, he took, he took the easy way out, you know? <laughs> but if we had a shooting contest, contest, he knows I would win. 100%. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. He can't shoot like me at all. That's that seven on victory might be the most impressive of Jordan's career, to be honest. With you. <laughs> <laughs> I was so adamant though that I would score. I would at least score. That's why he's pretty hype about it. <laughs> well, one of the you know back to your career then. Um, you had your injured finger. And then you ended up having you're being pregnant with your first child. Like, what are some of the craziest parts of all that during a season? I mean, obviously, this is nothing that men ever experience. So, right. break this all down for us. Like, all, all that that went into it. Yeah. So, so actually, my second year, I had a I had fractured my foot, so I had that my second year after the all rookie year. So there was a lot of expectation me coming into my second year, and I was out for like a month. And then I ended up coming back playing, but I played with, like, a special brace. And, like, pretty much I was playing on a broken foot still. It wasn't, like, 100%. And it took time to for me really to get back to 100%. So that year kind of, like, didn't go as expected. And then the next year, um, I was I think I was coming off the bench. And I, I played pretty well, but I was, like, I was pregnant the whole season. <laughs> like, I was pregnant the whole season and broke my finger. But no, no one knew I was pregnant until – I didn't tell the coach to like, I was probably like four and a half, five months pregnant just because I just didn't know like how things were. Like the CBA was a lot different than um, I was still pretty young. Uh, and it wasn't like now they just changed the CBA where it was a hundred percent maternity benefits and everything like that. Then I was like, I don't know if I don't play, maybe I won't get like some of my salary or something like that. So I kind of was like, I'm early enough in my pregnancy where I can still play. Um, I know there are times though, like I I'd be with my teammates and they're like having drinks or something after a game. They're like, "You're not drinking?" I'm like, "Nah, I just don't want to drink." And they they kind of just thought I was just on the vibe, like I'm chilling, like right. <laughs> trying to get right. You know what I mean? Just focused on basketball, putting the right things in my body. <laughs> so they thought I was chilling. Then, then later when they found out, they're like, "I knew it," because I know you drink all the time. So <laughs> why are you out here not drinking? <laughs> But, yeah, there were times I'm, like, I remember specifically I was in L.A. Uh, I didn't get sick too often, but I think we went to, like, Yard House, came back. My roommate is there. And I'm, like, I'm definitely, like, throwing up in the bathroom. She didn't even notice. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just kind of pushed through that and just played until I could. And I can't even imagine. Holy <laughs> crap. What was your doctor telling you? You were telling him, like, hey, I'm pregnant, but I'm going to be playing as a professional athlete in the WNBA during this. Yeah, so um, my doctors cleared me until six months, so I actually could have finished that season, but it was one of those things. So the, honestly, one of the only reasons I told the coach that I was even pregnant was because it was one of those things, if we made the playoffs, I wouldn't be able to play, but I was able to finish the regular season. Okay. But I didn't want to get to the point where, like, we finished the regular season and say we right. go into the playoffs, right. and I'm like, oh, yeah, coach, I can't play in the playoffs, by the way, I'm pregnant. So I kind of just like gave him a little heads up 
and then it got to the point where like he's like well we got 10 games left because we had the olympic break that year so it was like we we're practicing he was like well we got 10 games left like let me know what you want to do he was like if you want to play and finish you can or if you don't want to i kind of got the feeling that no one really wanted me to play so i just kind of was like you know what i'm just gonna sit down it's 10 games and then we ended up not making the playoffs anyway either so it was just it just worked out that way and it was kind of perfect timing too because my son was due in january and i think i had planned on like not really going overseas right away so i was like my son's due in january i know i'll be able to come back for the next WNBA season yeah how, how are pregnancies viewed in the WNBA like from a player's perspective are they like expecting you to sacrifice starting a family to focus on your career or is it like no do your thing and we're here to support you either way so i think times are changing a little bit um but I still feel like there's just kind of like, even when I was pregnant, kind of like this negative, like, you can't play basketball and have a kid. You're not going to come back the same. Um, but I think you're seeing a lot more. There's a, a lot of players who are having kids and who are coming back and are almost the same or better when they come back. So um, I think that's changing. I'm hoping that changes. Not to say everyone should just go out and have kids or whatever, but, like, if you want to start a family, like, it is possible yeah. to do both. I think before there was just like kind of this stigma about like, oh, you can't, you can't do both. You have to wait until you're done playing to have a kid, but it's like, you don't have to do that. You can, you can balance both if you want to not saying it's easy or whatever, but you can do it. Yeah. Were were you nervous like in the early stages of your pregnancy? Cause I mean, on top of having your first child, then also being trying to be a professional basketball player, like what were some of the things that you worried about the most outside of like the health of your child? say I was nervous as hell <laughs> like uh could I even say I feel like I'm the youngest like so it wasn't like I had like siblings that I looked after like I wasn't really around like young kids like that so I think I was like super nervous just kind of in general but I knew like I just had this thing like I I wanted to have them I think this experience would be cool um Taylor Hill was on my team Tiana Hawkins was on my team and they both had kids so I, I knew it could be done I think having them there and seeing them do it I knew it was possible or whatever. And then just kind of, I know I had people to lean on uh, to, to help me just kind of navigate through that. My family was like super supportive and super helpful. So I think when you have all that, it kind of eases things. And like when I was coming back from my pregnancy, my sons, I think I had them on January 14th. My, I got traded to the Liberty like a week after. Which or like two awesome, weeks, really. Two weeks after. Right. So it's like I'm going back home, closer to family. So that was like really cool. So that kind of made things easier with my son. But then I was started working out with uh Teresa Witherspoon with the Liberty on March sixth. So then when that happened, I was living on Long Island. They were in White Plains, um, at the next facility. And it'd be me, my dad and Bryson, we would drive there three times a week. So we we all get in this truck, drive there, whatever. Do I have to do workout, drive back? So it was just like, my dad's retired too, so he was able to do that with me. It's just like you had that support. He's able to help me, and then I'm still able to get in the gym and do everything. So, I mean, I think I was just really focused. And I think think when I was pregnant, like a lot of people saying to me, like, oh, you can't play basketball and have a kid. I was just, I'm the type, like, if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to just try to prove, like, you 100% wrong. Like, that's the type of mentality I had, like, I'm like, no, I could do whatever I want to do if I put my mind to it and I focus on it. So that's just really the mentality I had. That's dope. That's super dope. And shout out Taylor Hill. That's a Minnesota girl, too. So very right. 
Um, so let's talk. I mean, you just touched on the Liberty experience. You know, you 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 went there, right? Was your first year? You guys ended up being a three seed in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, lost in the second round to the Washington Mystic, which is kind of crazy because that was supposed right. to. Be, yeah, <laughs> I was upset. <laughs> then then the following year you had a tough year, which is probably one of the toughest years you ever had, going from all that winning to then not having success in the wins mm-hmm. column. I think it was seven and twenty-seven. Was that a tough year? Yeah. So. With that, just kind of backtrack. Like Liberty was always like kind of one of the top teams. I think when Tina Charles went there, they kind of turned a corner or whatever, and they brought Bill Lambert back. So they're always one of the top teams. So going there, I was super excited. Like, oh, I'm going to a team that has like kind of is establishing like a winning culture. So we went there our first year. We did great, and then just kind of the new playoff format uh, was different. You know, it was like single elimination. We ended up losing to Washington, but. Still overall, I think, a pretty good year. We had, like, a 20-win season. Um, so then the next year, so then after that season is when we kind of went up for sale. And uh, James Dolan put us up for sale. I think they were shopping around for buyers, and this things didn't work out. So he ended up keeping us, but then he moved us to Westchester County Center from Madison Square Garden to Westchester County Center. So I think, like, overall that kind of, like, just kill it. We had a change of coaches too. So I think with all the uncertainty about the sale, I think that's when Bill Lambert left. And then uh, San Antonio moved to Vegas. So that was just like a tremendous opportunity to go coach in Vegas uh, under that management. So it just seemed like everyone started leaving. Things were uncertain. Then Katie Smith took over and as coach. And I just think it was just a lot of changes. There was the same team, but it was just a lot of changes in the background that just kind of, I don't know, things. We just weren't the same team when we went out there that next year. So that was a really tough year, especially with like, being third in the league, then going to, like, we are probably, like, what, second to last in the league with the same team. We were just like, what's going on? So that was a pretty disappointing year. And then even last year, I mean, we won three more games, but it was still – it's kind of it's kind of tough to play in that type of environment. And when you used to, like, really want to win and you're losing all the time, it's just meant the to be some Dolan effect. James <laughs> Dolan effect. Right. <laughs> what was that experience with him? I mean, did you have to interact with him a lot? Honestly, no. I don't think I've ever met the guy. So <laughs> that kind of wraps that up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever met the guy. He, he um, kick you out of the garden. I, like I saw him on the sideline, maybe at one of our games or something like that. Maybe some of the girls who were older was there longer. I think they might have met him, but with my three years there, I didn't interact with him at all. <laughs> now you're with the Phoenix Mercury. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean your, your teams with. Brittany Griner, who was an arch nemesis. Dan right. Tarashi, who who's unbelievable. And Skylar Dix, another arch nemesis. What, what's it like being on the court with them? They're now well, I'll say, well, I'll say, like, people, me and Skylar was actually never arch nemesis. Like, we're actually super cool. Like, she's, she's one of my friends. On we played together. Right, yeah. we played together that three-on-three. So, I actually love playing with her. So, like. When I heard she was going there and I was talking with Phoenix, I was like, oh, no, nah, this is going to be dope. Like, I would love to play with her again. I only play with her in a three-on-three. I've never really played with her for an extended period of time, so I thought this would be, like, a great opportunity. Um, one of the things about signing with Phoenix, it was just, like, out of my comfort zone. Like, New York did want me to come back, and I was just like, that's home, it's everything, but Phoenix kind of really gave me an offer and a contract that I couldn't turn down. So it's like, if I turn this down, I'm stupid. Like, <laughs> let's be honest. So, um, 
I'm just really, really excited to play with them. I mean, hopefully this season can, like, really get started uh, with the pandemic. We're just kind of at a standstill. No one really knows what's going to happen, but hopefully it, it can happen at some point, and I think we're going to have a great team. Uh, BG's, like, dominant. She's, like, a six-time All-Star. Diana's, like I said, Diana's the GOAT. I'm really excited to play with her, too, just to kind of pick her brain, be around her, and really learn from her. And... um I think we have a really good core and we have a really good shot to win the championship there. That's the yeah. one thing I haven't done yet with all those accolades you said. <laughs> I haven't done that yet, so I'm trying to really add that to it. <laughs> I, th- I think you got a good chance of running off a few ships if you guys keep the team together and no injuries. <laughs> right. you know I, mean? I think you're stacking your chips the right way. I don't, I don't know. That's that. the plan. So <laughs> that, That's like the LeBron move. You guys just called everybody and had all the good players go to one spot. <laughs> I don't know. Our league, I ain't going to lie. Our league is tough. You'll look at, like, the Mystics just won. They nice. Vegas is nice. Like, there's a lot of really good teams, but we definitely we definitely got some superstars on our team. I want to know, do you have any cool behind-the-scenes stories about some of the teammates? Like, in the locker room, <laughs> stuff like that? I got to think. I got to think. Hmm. I don't know if I do. I'm not good at coming up with stuff on the spot, man. <laughs> top secret. Top secret. Top secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, another thing I wanted to really ask about was um, the pay changes in the WNBA and what your thoughts are about it. Uh, I, I think it's moving in the right direction. Um, I think there's a lot more opportunity uh, for people to make money. I think I think the main players it affects though a little bit is the kind of the middle of the way players, like not the superstars, but the really good players who've been playing in the the league for years and have really good overseas uh, resumes because it gets to the point in our CBA where it seems like the WNBA wants you to choose between overseas and playing in WNBA. And for the ones who make really good money overseas, it's going to be hard to pass up on that money and to be back for the WNBA. So it's either you're going to be taking fines if you're not back in time for training camp or if you're missing games, suspensions. So I think we kind of negotiated where it's not like that in the first few years of the CBA, but like the probably like fourth and fifth year might be a little different. Um, So that's what players have to choose. But like for the young players, the market overseas isn't as good as it was years ago. So it's like they're making more money in the WNBA. They have an opportunity to make more money. They have um, there's league marketing agreements and team marketing agreements, so it's opportunities for the teams to still uh, pay you during the off season. So I think what it, it really does is players now have a choice. I think before it was kind of this thing with women's basketball, like you have to go overseas as well to really earn an honest living. But now it's like you don't have to go overseas. You can stay home if you want to. But it's like if you want to go overseas, you can. Like it's the option still not taking up the table, but I think. There's some players who are like, oh, I don't really want to go overseas. They don't enjoy playing overseas, so now they don't have to. They can still home and still uh, making a decent amount of money here. You know, since you brought up overseas, let, let's jump into that. I mean, since right away off the bat, do you prefer one season over the other? Uh, I mean, I like being at home in New York for sure, but um, the last couple of years being in Istanbul, I, I loved it. Like, being there, like, living there, it's, like, dope. City's really Americanized. There's a lot of my friends play there, too, like, in, in Turkey. So I've, I've learned to enjoy it. I think for some players, if you're in, like, a smaller town, like, my first year overseas, I was in Hungary, 
I loved it there. It's just, like, I loved it and, and enjoyed my experience. But I was, like, it was me and Kayla McBride, and then she ended up getting hurt. So then I was literally, like, the only American there. So it's just, like, kind of missing out on, like, that close-knit, like, group of friends. But when we're in Istanbul, it's, like, four, three or four women's teams in Istanbul. One, a couple of my friends plays on one team, a couple of my other friends play on one team. So it's, like, a group of six of us that can really, like, kick it and hang out. So that's that's always cool to have that experience over there. So I end up loving it there. And then when you're playing over there, like Turkish basketball fans are probably one of the best. <laughs> like, and I played for two of the top clubs in Turkey. I played for Fener and I played for Gala this year. So like their fans love you. I'm sure like half of my followers are probably all Turkish. So uh, that that's really cool to, to have that. And just kind of when you're over there, just really that, that support system. You know, I, I talked with one of my friends who, who played in the WNBA because I wanted to get some really good questions for you. And she told me to ask you, because she played overseas as well. She said, okay. there's rules over there. <laughs> she says it's a lot crazier in the locker room and going out and ha you have a lot more fun over there. She said that was the one part that was a lot cooler than the U.S. Yeah. Um... Can you tell us some of those moments? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I can't say everything, but <laughs> I think it's definitely it's definitely a lot of fun over there. I mean, in Istanbul, they got like the clubs out there. To me, it's like New York. Like you go to the clubs and stuff, and they're open till five. We, people don't go out till like one thirty two. So it's like you can really have a, a good time out there. You can enjoy yourself. I, I don't know how it is in other cities, but like when I was in Chopin, you wasn't going to the club. You wasn't like there wasn't hip hop music playing. So that's cool. Uh, I'll say me playing with Gala was a little more, like, kind of relaxed. Uh, the coach was cool. Like, he didn't, like, go too hard with, like, practices because he knows, like, we play year-round. I think when I was at Fender, it was probably a little bit different. We had, like, two-a-day practices all the time. Like, you were tired to really do much else. So sometimes it really just depends on what club you're playing with and what their expectations are for their team. Okay. So you want to touch on some of that before I get into the next thing? Uh, no, we, we can go on to the next thing. All right, so then the other cool stuff, I, I want to kind of get into your your USA basketball, your your French basketball team and, and all of that. I mean, you got – this stuff is just nuts. You wanna, do you want to jump into the French first or USA? Uh, probably USA because USA came first. So okay. <laughs> USA was just like – I mean, when you're in high school, they have like their younger teams. I think I was a senior in high school. And I got invited to the USA trials for the U18 team. So that was, like, my senior year. I actually ended up, like, leaving school early, um, went out there, and I ended up making the team. So I actually missed my prom and my graduation my senior year to play USA basketball. And we won, like, we qualified for the U19 World Championships. And the next year after my freshman year of college, we went on to win the U19 World Championships. Um then after my sophomore year, that's when I did the three on three. So that was the that was the first ever three on three world championship that they held, and uh, it was it was cool though because it was like any age. So it was like I was super young, I was like nineteen, but then you're playing against like grown women at that point. But um, that was a really great experience. I was in Athens, and then the next year was in Russia, right? Maybe not the next year, not the next year, or maybe two years after that. I'm not sure, but it was the uh, World University Games. Yeah, in Russia, we went for that. That was cool because that's like the – it's like a younger version of the Olympics. Okay. So that was cool. Like you got the whole little village and it's like not just basketball, <laughs> it was multiple sports and everything. So that was really cool. 
uh, and we went. I mean, with USA, when you play USA, the standard is to win gold. So every time we win, we're like, yeah, we're about to win gold. But <laughs> if you don't win gold, or if you even lose a game, this kind of looks like really, even if it's a friendly game, like we had. Friendly, I think we lost actually that year a friendly game to Russia, and it was just like USA never loses. And <laughs> but we're like, all right, at least we went and we we won during like the regular competition. So. All those experiences were really cool. And then even uh, after my rookie year, I was on, like, the big roster for the World uh, world Championships. And then I ended up – but I ended up being, like, one of the first cuts that year. Um, but, it, but it was still a cool experience. Like, you're there and it's playing, like – I mean, for me, it was kind of, like – it was kind of easy to kind of just blend in because, like, Coach Arima was the coach. I, I know how he coaches. I know all the stuff he runs. So it, it was cool, but just being with all the best – athletes in the world but even the crazy thing though is like you I was playing the WNBA and the game's like that much faster but then imagine just having like all the best the strongest players like in one gym so that those practices were even faster so that's when I really had to like learn pace because I was like I get those practices I'm really going too fast so um it's just cool to see the different levels and then I guess after that I kind of lean into the French stuff I think I was so I had to like get my passport so my grandmother is French she uh, was born in uh, Strasbourg, France, and I can get dual citizenship because of that. So I had to go, like, to the French embassy and apply and do, like, all the paperwork, which is, like, it's a lot of paperwork that you have to do because they need to go through, like, your whole family tree. You got to get, like, my parents' marriage certificates, my mom's birth certificate, like, all that stuff. And um, eventually that got finalized, and I was able to get my – passport in february of 2016 so my plan was to try to play in the olympics that summer but because i played usa basketball and i was on that roster in 2014 is a rule through fiba where um usa has to release me so i guess the french federation sent the letter to usa basketball to release me and they said we respectfully decline so then I had to wait. <laughs> I had to wait a whole nother year, and USA Basketball released me finally in January of 2017. Is when I really got the okay, and then from there it was like a little bit more paperwork that I had to do. And eventually, I missed. We were trying to get me to play in the World Championships. Uh, what year was that? 2018, I believe, and still missed that. And then finally, I was able to play with them like that. November or something, or February or something like that. And that's when you got the, was that the silver medal you got? No, the, the well, no, I played with them, like, so they have, like, qualifiers in November and February each year, so I did those with them first, and then I got the silver medal last summer. Okay. In uh, June, that was the world championships. It was Euro- Euro- European championships, my bad. Was your French heritage, like, a big part of your background growing up, and that's why you wanted to play with the French team, or was this just another opportunity to play basketball? Uh, so I'll say, like, I feel like growing up in New York when people, like, see someone that looks like me, they're like, oh, like, are you Spanish? Are you this? So I was always just like, no, I'm French. Like, I was really proud of it. Then I remember, like, only thing is, like, my grandma was, like, the only one of her siblings to move to America. So, like, she was pretty much, like, Americanized, and, like, she didn't really speak French around us or anything like that. So, like, I wasn't able to pick up on language. And then I remember, like, when you're in school, you're able to choose a language. I was like, oh, I want to learn French. And I remember my dad was like, no one here speaks French like that. It's not going to help you take Spanish. So I took Spanish <laughs> or whatever for, like, four years. And then I get to this point, I'm like, dang, I wish I took French. Like, 
but I, I think I was always like proud. I just think I wasn't really around the culture uh, enough to, to learn it. But I was always just very proud of my French heritage. Like people be like, "Oh, you look Spanish or Spanish," but I'm not Spanish. I'm French and black. Like <laughs> so I would tell everyone. But I definitely wasn't around the culture. I think now is when I really have the opportunity to kind of be around it, and I, I want to learn it. I was taking like lessons in Istanbul uh, past couple of years. So and then just I think the best way to learn it though, the hardest thing was t- I was taking lessons in Turkey. But then I don't hear the language, so it's, like, hard to pick up. So then mm-hmm. when I go with the team, I can, like, understand, like, basketball terms and everything. But, like, talking to them off the court in French is, like, hard. Yeah, but, like, they don't say stuff, like, in English. Like, the coach doesn't do stuff in English to me. Like, when we're going through practice, everything's in French. And they, there'll be a teammate there. Like, they all speak English. They'll help me if I need it. But then sometimes I'm, like, don't help me because I'm trying to learn. <laughs> I'm, like... I feel like if someone's translating in your ear in English, you're not really listening to the French. So I'm just kind of, if I don't understand something, I'll just ask a teammate, like, oh, what'd she say? <laughs> like, help me out. But <laughs> the coach, the first national team coach, though, she uh, coached me in Fenner, Bache, last year. So I kind of understand her style. I know, like, most of the time I know what she's, like, getting on us about. So it's kind of easy to pick up on context clues and everything. You know, you brought your dad up. And he's a former professional boxer. Mm-hmm. He teach you how to beat people up or what? what what's, what's <laughs> he ain't teach me how to beat people up, but he teach me how to fight if I need to fight. <laughs> so that story is I pretty much grew up in a boxing gym, like when I was little, like just there all the time. But he actually never let me fight. He let my brothers fight. He would never. He let me spar one time. Like, I'd be in there, I'd do, like, shadow boxing, like, jump rope, hit the bag, hit the mitts or whatever. But he would never really let me fight. And then I was also, like, younger. So there was, like, one kid that was probably, like, he was the youngest one in there, but he was still probably, like, four years older than me. And I'm like, Dad, I want to spar him. I want to spar him. <laughs> so he literally let me in there one time. He said, I went to the kid and was like, if you hurt my daughter, I'm going to fuck you up pretty much. Like, <laughs> the kid went in there and just stuck his arm out like this the whole time. I'm really out there like trying to fight. Uh, I mean, he teaches me all the techniques and everything, but I never I never really got into it. And then even boxing workouts now, I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I'd rather just go play basketball. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the workouts that had to help you with your, you know, being able to keep up with all them practices. Like you said, you never got tired. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think just he had me in the gym. I'm, like, jumping rope all the time. They're doing, like, push-ups, sit-ups, or whatever. I'm, like, like six, seven years old. I'm in there with them doing it all. Like, some of these guys is grown men. So, I think that definitely helped me uh, just kind of athletically. And I think just the mentality I had just kind of, like, that's ingrained in me at a young age. So, that mentality is just carried throughout my career. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bria, or Tev, you got any questions last minute? Uh, No, I think we touched it all. It was a very, very impressive career. I appreciate you uh, sitting down with us. And we just, we just hit this. Yeah, (laughs) thank you, Bria. We really appreciate it. If you ever want to come back, we'd love to have you back. We usually keep them about 60 minutes. So, but if you ever want to come back, please come back and tell your friends. We'd love to have all kinds of conversations. All right, I'll tell them for sure. I know a couple of them that definitely do it. (laughs) Hell yeah. Thank you, Bria. (laughs) 